On the Sunday of Orthodoxy, we remember the triumph of Orthodoxy over iconoclasm. Many of us like to celebrate this event by parading around the church holding our icons. We imagine we've won a great victory for truth over lies. But how exactly was this victory won? Does it look like other victories? Is it the same sort of victory that the emperors won in battle? As we dig into the celebration, we may be surprised by our discovery and how we're supposed to walk the way in light of this triumph. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. Welcome back to The Way Podcast. I'm your host, Father Dustin. The reading is from Paul's letter to the Hebrews. Let us be attentive. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, preferring to suffer hardship along with God's people than to enjoy the short-term pleasures of sin. He reckoned that reproach suffered for the Messiah was worth more than all the treasures of Egypt. He was looking ahead to the reward. What more can I say then? I've run out of time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. It was through faith that they overcame kingdoms, put justice into practice, received promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were strong where they had been weak, became powerful in battle, and sent foreign armies packing. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, not accepting release, so that they might receive a better resurrection. Others again experienced painful derision and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were put to the sword, they went about in sheepskins or goat hides. They were destitute. They were persecuted. They were ill-treated. The world didn't deserve them, and they wandered in deserts and mountains, in caves and holes in the ground. All these people gained a reputation for their faith, but they didn't receive the promise. God was providing something better for us, so that they wouldn't reach perfection without us doing so as well. That reading was from Hebrews 11, verses 24 through 26, and then verses 32 through 40. This past Sunday, in the Orthodox Church, we celebrated the triumph of Orthodoxy. This is always the first Sunday in Lent, and it's the celebration of the restoration of icons after iconoclasms. Actually, there were two periods of iconoclasm, one in the 8th century and one in the 9th century. The word means icon smashers, and those who supported it believed that icons should be forbidden in Christian worship. In fact, even the imperial authorities during both these times were iconoclastic. 
There are various reasons given by historians as to why iconoclasm became popular. Some historians say that the iconoclasts believed that icons broke the commandment in Exodus that forbade graven images. Other historians believe the reason was more political. During these centuries, the Islamic empires were winning ground in Byzantine territory. It's possible that iconoclasts believed that this was God punishing the Byzantines for using icons in their worship. After all, they figured God must be on the side of the Muslims who don't use icons since they were winning battles. However, I believe the best explanation as to why iconoclasm became popular was given by Father Georges Florovsky. He argued that iconoclasm was a resurgence of an ancient yet popular heresy called Origenism. Please note that Origenism is not what Origen, a Christian philosopher of the 2nd century, actually taught. But at any rate, Origenism taught that salvation happened when the soul finally broke free of the material world. Because of this view, icons had to be condemned because they represented a bodily Christ. In other words, they represented a Christ who is still bound by the material world. He had not yet been set free. In contrast to this idea, the Orthodox taught that salvation was indeed accomplished through the material world. For Orthodox Christians, humanity had been separated from God and from life itself in the fall. Because of this, our world was enslaved to death. The only way to fix the problem is for death to be destroyed, which means that life has to somehow enter into death. Christ, who we believe was both divine and human, became enfleshed, and when he died, he took life itself into the depth of death, thus destroying it. In other words, Christ destroyed death by death, as we sing in our Paschal hymn. And once death was destroyed, Christ rose from the dead, resurrecting all material flesh. In other words, our salvation is accomplished because God became human. We are not freed from the material world, as the originists say, but rather, in the resurrection, our flesh in the entire cosmos is transfigured. For Orthodox Christians, this theology is embedded in the icon. Because God became human in the person of Jesus Christ, and could be seen, an image can be made. And by making an image of the enfleshed God, we make a bold proclamation that our salvation is wrought through this seen God who took on flesh and died. After all, only by taking on flesh could God die. So, it's for this reason that the Orthodox in the Seventh Ecumenical Council proclaimed, Thus we declare, thus we affirm, thus we proclaim Christ our true God, and honor his saints in words, writings, thoughts, sacrifices, churches, and holy icons. This is the faith on which the world is established. Many Orthodox Christians also lost their lives to the iconoclasts. They became martyrs, that is, witnesses of the Orthodox faith and the veneration of icons. And the Council also recognizes and honors these folks. Of them, the Council wrote, 
let us beseech God that we may be instructed and strengthened by the trials and struggles of these saints, which they endured for the faith even unto death, and by their teachings, entreating that we may to the end imitate their godly life. This is the victory of orthodoxy. This is the triumph of orthodoxy. It isn't some sort of look at us or see how right we are sort of triumph. It's a triumph because they died as witnesses of Christ and his gospel. It's a victory that's wrought precisely by death. And this brings us to the epistle reading that's read on this day. It's from Hebrews, but notice that the victory described in this letter doesn't look like a military victory. It's not a parade into Rome showing off military might. It's not a parade showing off how much booty or slaves you've acquired from the defeated enemy. Instead, this victory looks a lot like defeat. Let's hear some key verses again with a bit of commentary by me. It was through faith. Notice, this is not military might, but faith or trust that these people overcame kingdoms, put justice into practice, received promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were strong where they had been weak, became powerful in battle, and sent foreign armies packing. It was by faith that they did all these things. Women received their dead by resurrection. In other words, their sons were killed. They had to wait until the resurrection to see their sons again. They didn't come home from battle. Then it goes on. Others were tortured, not accepting release, so that they might receive a better resurrection. Others again experienced painful derision and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were put to the sword. They went about in sheepskins or goat hides. They were destitute. They were persecuted. They were ill-treated. The world didn't deserve them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. In other words, instead of fighting back, they let the world do its worst because they believed that victory comes by God's might and power, not ours. This sort of victory looks upside down to the world. It's a victory that comes about by defeat. It's a victory over death that comes by the cross. This is important to remember as we celebrate this triumph of orthodoxy. Before we get too proud or boastful, we have to remember that we too are called to pick up our crosses and follow Christ. We too are called to follow Christ into death. We are called to use our death as a witness for the gospel. As one of my professors in seminary always said, it's only in dying that we find life. To walk the way is to understand that we have to die to ourselves and the world before we can put on Christ. Until next time, God bless.